and I am the guest host for Launch Left for the Artist Takeover. And I'm here talking with my dear friend, Chase Call, who is somebody I've known and loved for many years, who is a brilliant musician, singer. She is a writer, poet, and she is also a fashion designer and tastemaker and all things magical. So hi, Chase. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? You know what? I'm hanging in there. This week has definitely been, uh, it's been a roller coaster of a week. It's a lot. It's just, you a know, lot of energy in the world. There's a lot going on in the world. And just personally, I don't know what, what is in the stars this week, but it's definitely been, it's definitely been one. But aside from that, you know, I've got to say, compared to a lot of other people, I feel like I'm thriving. Yeah, so, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Tell me, are you in Laurel Canyon? Are you in your beautiful home? I, I am. Yeah, I'm in Laurel Canyon right now. I'm getting ready to head to the East coast for the next few months. So I am um, trying to organize all the moving pieces here and just, you know, working on getting people to listen to the music, you know? Oh, so I listened to dear, dear the other day and, Oh my God, chase the worlds that you create in it. it. It's really got that sort of summary sixties. Um, just, everything I was listening from even the backing vocals to the orchestrations and your song lyrics I was really blown away congratulations can you tell me a little bit about how Dear Dear came about what was your creative process and you know just where you come from as far as as far as music yeah of course I mean you and I have played music together on and off so many times um I but this is just such a departure sonically I co-wrote it with a guy called Barry Goldberg who I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with he's an older piano player he played with everyone from Ray Charles to Phil Spector himself to um Lou Reed and Leonard Cohen and he's been in Bob Dylan's band for 45 years and he's really as good as it gets. Um, Barry came in on a session for me a few years ago that never ended up coming out, but we totally hit it off. And he ran into each other not long after he asked me to write together. And we weren't really sure what the thing was going to be until we sat down to write and just realized that we both had this great love of girl groups and that no one was really making that style of music and executing it the way that we both thought it should be executed. Because obviously people have sort of dipped their toes into that thing. Um, so we just thought, why not take a crack at it? And also I'm sure you can agree that the, those songs are beautiful, but the narrative content of those records is so problematic toward a feminist, any sort of feminist viewpoint. I mean, the women, like he hit me and it felt like a kiss. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard on the heart for sure. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. So, um, so I thought, why not try and sort of modernize the sound, keep it feeling nostalgic and have it have that warmth, but but really introduce like a very strong feminist character sort of coming in to her own. Um, and that's that. what, I mean, this is the beginning of a four-part uh, album and that's what sort of the narrative of the record will be watching this woman sort of grow into her own strength. Oh, Chase, that is so needed right now. I feel yeah. like, it, you know. I felt the same. 
and also the album cover is your, or the EP cover, sorry, is your mother, right? Yes, yes. So all of the EP covers will be series. When I was writing this project, um, I came across an old album of my mother um, on the eve of a relationship with a man that was totally wrong for her. And she was 18 years old and lost and had no idea what she was doing. And, you know, I'm sure like most of us ended up making some really poor yep. decisions <laughs> romantically. And <it> <laughs> This album, she just was so, there was so much melancholy behind her sort of eyes and, you know, seeing your parents as younger people, you're not used to seeing that. And it just felt like exactly what I wanted it. I love it. I just think it's so evocative when I saw the picture and I realized that it was a picture of your mother who I've met before and brilliant, you know, it's, 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 I don't know, there's just something so nostalgic and deeply personal to that but I love hearing what you're saying about sort of the feminist lilt to dear dear because I do feel especially these past few years I think so many women have we've all had our own reckoning with be it with hashtag me too with times up um I feel like it sort of opened up the conversations of things that maybe we held secret for a very long time and maybe certain you know, ways, I guess, especially men in the music industry, I mean, I'm sure you and I can relate, (laughs) have been, you know, how we have been treated or sort of personified. I mean, I can think of an example, just even a few years ago was, you know, somebody telling me for my, not the record that I'm working on currently, but the one before, that I should look pretty for the Mm -hmm. record, that that should be the look, just pretty, like nothing more than just, (laughs) that's what it is you should look pretty. And I mean, it was a subtle comment and I I genuinely think it wasn't meant from a bad place, but it's just, again, when a woman's worth is personified by sort of these attributes, your beauty, um, your sexuality. I mean, I know as I get older, um, really delving deeper into these subjects as, as, you know, pertains to a woman and how a woman wants to be portrayed. I mean, and I'm just curious as to what your thoughts, just especially in regards to, you know, just how we're all finding our voices as women and um, how that feels for you. Cause I know for me at first, it felt quite vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I think that, the, I mean, we've all heard, I've definitely experienced, and the one that sort of sits with me most obviously on the tip of my tongue is um, hearing back when I was pitching my last record, more often than not, that they had filled their quota of female musicians uh, for the month. (laughs) You're like, okay, well, that's so problematic. And we're living in, I mean, it's such a flawed industry still for for a female perspective. You're considered too loudmouthed if you say certain things. You're considered not sexy enough if you don't look a certain way, but then sort of the, the problem that I have mostly is it probably pertains to social media because it just continues to, um, it continues to further that sort of anti-feminist agenda when these algorithms are built. and, And I'm sure you know it as well as anyone, when these algorithms are built that people don't even see a photo um, if it 
isn't a photo of a person's face or body. Right. Now we've all posted something in the past where let's say it's just a song lyric or it's a photo of a flower or it's, and, and they just, they aren't seen um, because of the way that these computers are literally designed to show something. So the struggle is, well, I'm trying to promote my art and I'm trying to promote my perspective and my work and my heart and all and of your aesthetic that. as well. Cause yeah. I feel like a lot to do with you. When I think about you, Chase, I think about the aesthetic as well and how vital that is to your persona as well. So I, I hear you with that. Frustrating. People don't even, people are, are, can't even touch on it unless it, and and then all of a sudden, you know, what's interesting is I, I remember having a conversation with my mother recently where we were talking about social media and what someone's perspective might be had they not known you, if they just came to find you on social media for, for any of us. And, and she just, you know, coming from a different generation, she said, well, I think the immediate perspective would be that you and many women, you know, are incredibly shallow. Yeah. Because all we do is post pictures of ourselves. <laughs> the only way for, for people to see your work is to post a picture of yourself. And it's, it's just, we're stuck in this catch 22 world of wanting to be more fulfilled, but you can't get there without sort of this Oh, don't get me started. It is, it's really tricky. Yes, it is. Especially when life, you know, especially with the pandemic, I found myself on social media much more just to check in with the people I care about, see what people are up to who feel so far away at that moment. And it is, it is a very, very slippery slope, I think, in regards to social media, because on one side, it's a very important powerful tool even as we talk about activism it's a great place for for you know I think about a lot of people have spoken up on social media because other ways of maybe trying to get justice have failed so there's the social media angle that may get attention to something very important but then there's the other flip side which you are absolutely right that that in order for you know I I follow a bunch of people on Instagram right I never see my closest friends, what they're posting. I I have a a private account that I go on that I just follow a handful of people. And that's the only way Mm -hmm. I can get to see what, say, you're up to, what, say, Emily is up to, Brooke is up to, a lot of our mutual friends, because they are never on my feed. I always wonder, because it, it for me, especially with Instagram, when it went from being a timeline to just whatever's popular. They kind of, for me, that's when the bubble burst because it went from being this great tool of an aesthetic. You know, you can, you, I remember somebody once telling me like Instagram's like your magazine. You can curate it mm-hmm. and, you know, it's your interests. It's the things that you're passionate about. It's the things that you need to speak up about. Sure, throw in a few cute selfies because yeah. why not? <laughs> but you're right. When the algorithm is programmed to just view our faces and bodies also as women, you know, that if that, again, it is another thing that is showing what your worth is. I have, you know, my daughter's almost 15. And I think about this for her and her generation growing up in, in a world where it's all about the likes and, and that is so detrimental, I think, to our mental health as well. Yeah. And why is that? Why should it be someone's physicality? The thing that's so interesting, and I'm sure you've experienced in your work life is like, people want to compliment you on something that you literally 
I mean, aside from taking care of your body or going to the gym or putting on the right skincare, you had no control over. Right. Exactly. You know, we and, don't have any. And there's also, I think when it comes to images, especially I obviously work in fashion and it's, you know, throughout the years, just the images that I've portrayed in fashion have even at moments had a detrimental effect upon me, especially in regards to sort of body image. I've always been viewed as sort of a, you know, quote unquote, I mean, funny looking, which I'm down with, obviously, these days. But when I was growing up, especially as a teenager emerging in the fashion industry, when my body, you know, is scrutinized for being maybe a size or two bigger than the normal or my face is scrutinized for being weird. It's that was hard, even just in a microcosm of what fashion is. And then when you get things on social media, I mean, it's it's a it's like I said, it's a slippery slope. But then on the flip side, because I always have to play devil's advocate sometimes is that I've discovered a lot of great people Mm -hmm. on social media and made friends, interestingly via social media but it's the the sort of magic is wearing off ever so slightly for me and I think it is to do with the fact that I don't see you know the people I care about anymore I don't see what they're up to I'm not getting the you the things that used to sort of inspire and evoke sort of you you know even inspiration I, I don't have that same sort of relationship with with social media but Anyhow, so I probably should move on from my social media rant. No, I want to hear I'll about your book of poetry. That is something I am so proud of you, Chase. Mm-hmm. And again, you're such a, speaking of, again, social media, I remember you posting, you know, snippets and and poems and whatnot over the years. And I'm just curious as to how that process started for you and what even, um you know, what was the sort of the the spark that, that you thought, okay, I, I can write a book of poetry? Um, well, so I majored in poetry in college. Um, and when I graduated from college, I mean, I guess 10 years ago now, there was no, social media wasn't really what it is today. It wasn't even close to what it is today. I think Facebook had just started, so I'm aging myself. But, um, but there was no career in poetry. Right. There was no being a female poet. Like that just wasn't a thing. Could so, be Emily Dickinson. <laughs> it wasn't an option. So I was, and I was happy to pursue music and fashion and sort of put that to the wayside and just write quietly for myself mm-hmm. whenever I could. Um, and then, yeah, a few years ago, I just started posting things and then uh, not even putting my name on it. I just was actually too shy to, I just wanted to see oh, what people thought, you know what I mean? And maybe they would think it was someone else writing or if they didn't like it, it wasn't so personal. Um, and the reaction was really positive and people often reached out saying that this was something that they were feeling or that, you know, and that's really what social media is great at is creating a community of people right. who feel similarly. Um, right. And then I had, I had publishers reach out and I did that whole route. And then I just realized, you know, at the end of the day, similarly with music, I've done the label thing. I've done not the label thing. We've, we've all been on both sides of it. Um, it just felt more important to me for a first release to have full control over it. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I just, I, I realized when, once it became a body where I thought this, these them- thematically, these all work. And this was a really specific time in my life that I was writing, um, I should stop it here. And then whether it's the next, what I've been writing now is the next book or whatever. Um, and just make it concise, make it beautiful 
keep it short and sweet and super digestible for people because I love that. something that everybody loves, you know? Absolutely. I mean, and again, in, in, in this era, just there's moments where, I mean, words have power. We know that words have power for good words, have power for bad words are, you know, the, the, the writer has a, as a, profound amount of impact in our society again we have impact with the words that we choose that I don't know I I'm a big believer in the power of them and you know even where they come from like is there a specific poem that you feel like very connected to that one that really comes I mean I'm sure there's plenty but if there's a couple that you can think of that really um encapsulated sort of uh, a feeling or a mood that you had while you were writing. I'd just love to know. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton there. There, uh, there's one poem that I find myself returning to over and over again, which is from a seventies native American poetry book of all things that was edited by a Jewish writer. Um, and so he's got the sort of writing credit on it, but most of the poems are indigenous poems and it's called magic words. I will send it to you. And essentially, Please. Essentially, the the idea of the poem is he's talking about a time when language was so impactful that whatever people said became true. So that really like sent me and and I like this idea of I mean in in writing and music and creation um, of there being no questioning behind a language. If you say something, you're intentional about it. You're very well thought out. Like I'm an avid reader. It's really important to me to be spoken a certain way and to be considered a certain way, especially as a woman in the arts Um, and for women to sort of present themselves as educated people with something to say. And I feel like it's just, it's just a concept that is so mind blowing to me that it was, it, I mean, it, it's as dramatic as saying, if you said you were a fox, all of a sudden people would say, <laughs> why not? I you love that. Fox. You know, and please, I love that concept. Please send that to me because I, I feel like I, I would love, I'd love to read that. And, you know, obviously we're going on about the power of words. I'm just curious about, you know, it's been a really challenging year. We've had an extremely difficult 12 months. And I know for myself personally, when this pandemic started, um, you know, at first there was fear of the unknown, you know, and fear of what is going, what is going to happen. And then as we locked down, I had a lot of epiphanies during um, sort of the subsequent lockdowns that we had. And I think one of them for me was that for years, I mean, I have been working since I was 15. Yes, I have two teenage children, but I always was juggling, you know, work, family, and I never was slowing down. And it was the first time in my adult life, really, that I had time and space to sit and think. Mm-hmm. And what emerged, I think a lot of people thought, oh, my God, she's going to go stir crazy. Yeah. The absolute opposite is that I had such huge epiphanies in my life about um just where my life was going. It, it, it helped me slow down and helped me really take stock that success isn't just, um, you know, how it looks to everybody else, that success isn't just, you know, even necessarily, I mean, and this is a very privileged statement, maybe I shouldn't say this, but, you know, success isn't the the sort of achievements that we are all striving towards. It's also the quality 
of your personal life, the qualities of, you know, your friendships, um, your relationship with your family and whatnot. And it really got me thinking how I felt so split down the middle. I was always either on, 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 and then home with my children and on and how I needed to sort of, um, you know, ground things and, and bring a lot more peace to my life. It's been a game changer. And I feel very privileged to say that, that the pandemic for me was very restorative in a strange way and extremely um, reflective. And I'm, I'm just curious as, I mean, obviously it's been challenging, sure. but I'm curious as to what your experience of, of this time has been and if there's any lessons that you've taken from it. Yeah, I think it's, it's been, um, I mean, look, of course, challenging. It, it's been, I'm, I'm someone who, and I feel like a lot of artists I know are this way. I am better at being alone than I am at anything else in my life. So I, uh, it, I, I don't, loneliness is not an issue for me. Solitude is not an issue for me. I was lucky enough to have like a couple friends and people in my life that we decided to sort of lock in together. And so, I, you know, I always had the option to see people, which was a privilege, you know, right. especially with my family far away. Um, but I think the thing that was most impactful for me was creatively and in my personal relationships in my life, um, romantic friendship otherwise, was being able to fully just silence the chatter because people were too busy and too consumed with their own stuff to be worried about anyone else for the first time. Um, People, I mean, you probably know better than anyone. It's like people love to sit and they love to pick apart and they love to gossip and they love to chat. And it just felt like nobody had the time to do that. And so whether it's you're having a fight with a partner, the friend that you would normally turn to and, and she might say, oh, screw him, break up with him or he's the best, stay with him, or just veer you in any sort of direction that you wouldn't immediately go in yourself, that was all gone. And right. so the only thing was to turn inwards and just fully trust the inner voice. Yeah. And I think creatively... Uh, and in my own friendships, that was like a massive game changer. Yeah, same, same. I mean, it's it's. There's been so many um, revelations during this time. I mean, again, it's extremely challenging, and it still remains to be challenging. But I at least felt in, especially in fashion, everybody runs on fumes, oh you know. And to recognize, wow, this actually isn't. It's it's not healthy. It's not healthy for your for your well-being, yes, at times being a creative person and an artist, you when you put your mind to something and you dedicate yourself to just your creative endeavors, that is challenging, but it's also rewarding at the same time. But I think for me, there was a lot of feeling like I had to say yes to everything. And that profoundly shifted in my life right now. I feel, uh, you know, again, a huge shift in regards to my own sort of mental well-being and my care and protection of 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 myself so important to be able to and i i i even find um myself like learning these lessons again because now we're at a place where um it feels like for the first time in a year people are starting to come out of their shells a little bit you know uh people who are able are getting vaccinated and and bigger numbers every day and and people are starting to socialize a little bit more and this things become a little bit more familiar um and i think what's interesting is 
it felt so easy to say no when we were deep in the pandemic and everyone was scared. It felt so easy to say no to everything. And now it's like, okay, we're coming back out a little bit. We've still got, you know, some left of this, but my feeling is there, there, it's the first time that I'm witnessing hope in quite a long time. Oh my God, how wonderful is that? We got to grasp onto that. I really think there's going to be a lot of great creative endeavors coming out of this time of what people have been cooking up, but also sincerity, but bringing this also, I mean, I know it's been a very challenging time for musicians. I know, I mean, almost every single musician that I know, be it ridiculously successful or um, struggling musician, it's been such a challenging time. I mean, I have witnessed so many friends just give up music, you know, entirely and find and find um, other jobs during this time. And it certainly has been, um, I don't know, like, I really hope that there is a, a sort of sea change within the music industry itself, because what I'm realizing more and more is it's very hard to sustain um, a life being a musician. It's, it, I, honestly, there's so many talented people that I know who can barely pay their rent, sure. you know, and they're so brilliant, yet the machine that is the industry isn't supporting these sort of more quirky, unusual, or even just, you know, just brilliantly talented people because they don't fit the demographic of age, like we said before, um, or whatever it may be. And I, I, I don't know, that is breaking my heart because I don't think live music will really be, um, I mean, I think we're not going to see stadium shows for years, personally. That's my sad, sad fear. But even even sort of theater shows, it's, it's hard to know when these things are going to it is. And it's really tricky. Um, I think my, my, yeah, it's been horrible watching what's happened to the music industry and what continues to happen. I think my biggest hope, which is also a real pipe dream, because I just, I mean, we haven't seen it happen. I don't know that I see it happening. Was that, and is that, um, that people turn to authenticity more because, because that's a huge thing for me um, right. is just do whatever own any character be a comedian, but be authentic about it. And we're continually, and I, it's not my style to name names. We are continually watching the biggest names in music pump out record after record in a way that peacocks such musical privilege, such right. financial privilege. Right, right, right. Of course, you're able to continue making three records a year because you have a, a studio in your house and a producer on call and all of these people. And these are then the people that are rewarded by the popular music industry, by the awards shows um, for making prolific art. Right. There is no consideration to how time consuming, how privileged of a line of work it is um, just to be able to create outside of your day job you know expensive as well I mean going into a studio is expensive going into you know going on the road for a lot of people you know it's I mean even myself like I barely break even when I go on the road it's just the the overhead of, of travel of of salaries of everything it's and that's this is you know me and I would consider myself in a much more privileged position and you know I've definitely had friends who have gone through you know again it's these sea changes but again from this could come 
like you said, great authenticity and beautiful music. And, but also on the, the, again, the flip side is that I, what my fear is, is that a lot of musicians will fall um, off the wayside. And again, what we need right now really is great music. You know I mean? Music always carries me. Music always has been my constant companion since I was little. It, it is, it's like, you know, the best friend that never goes away. I mean, you just put on a beautiful song and, there's nothing like that feeling and we, we need that, you know, society needs that. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit um, and just talk about, again, you know, just stuff that's happening in the world. I know that we, um, when we first got on this call, I mentioned just how, you know, I know you're Canadian, you know, and I'm British, so we may have a different um, take on some of these things, but just in the news recently, it's been a while since I've heard about mass shootings. And obviously this week there were two mass shootings in Atlanta and in Colorado and Boulder. And it really got me thinking again about the, you know, about mental health and how, you know, mental health is just, it's such an important topic of conversation, but also gun reform. And it's, it's again, social media really incites such an interesting discourse sometimes because I mean, gun reform absolutely needs to happen, you know, in this country. I just, I, I just uh, how many more lives need to, um, need to be needlessly lost by a person who has access to assault rifles? I mean, I think the, the struggle for me is that, you know, especially say in somewhere like Georgia, where this one horrible shooting happened at all these spas and all these, you know, tragically, um, a lot of Asian women were, you know, were targeted and, you know, the, the, just so much unrest racially in this country, so much unrest, especially last year politically, thank God, you know, I mean, not that that's gone, but at least there is a little hope on the horizon. But my thoughts regarding, you know, gun reform is if, if it's harder to vote than it is to purchase a gun, we have a fundamental flawed problem with the way we are governing. And I'm just curious as a Canadian, what your thoughts are on this, because it, it's just, it, it's so maddening to me that nothing, that nothing really consequential gets done. It's so, it's, it, it's so unbelievably disheartening. And obviously, um, you know, last year I was as ready as I've ever been to leave America right. and and, and then I, I sat with myself and thought, you know, I don't know what I can do, but it's, it's, it's our generation's mm-hmm. battle to fight. Right. It doesn't matter where you're from. Right. right. Um, being Canadian. Yeah. I am very anti-gun. I don't think anyone should have access to guns outside of the military, possibly even include, including police. Um, I think that there is, I think guns have been made the fact that guns are as accessible as cell phones is unacceptable it's it's a weapon of destruction it is it's a killing machine yes and we are at a place where technology has taken over um the the human race in a way that like i can't even begin the in ways that we can't possibly fathom because it's just they slid it in really quietly um i think what's happening in this country in terms of gun control is pathetic. I think that things need to change so fast. I hope that the current leadership has the wherewithal to do something to change it. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, 
And to come back to social media, we're all built so intensely these days on numbers, on approval rating. Um, And that should just never be a consideration when it comes to the lives of innocent people. And I think that the problem that we're dealing with, and we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg, and that's why gun control needs to be dealt with sooner rather than later, is the government of this country was not ready for this pandemic. They handled it incredibly poorly. The testing, the way that COVID spread through. In many countries, though, however, I mean, I think about the UK and how the UK is so, you know, it's it's been such a interesting, not to segue on what you, you're saying, but I've this pandemic has affected people both by getting sick, both by the huge human toll that this has had, but also on people's mental health. I well, mean, that's what I, that's where I was leading exactly. The, the, the testing and the vaccinations were nothing in compared to the mental health crisis that we're about to see happen in the world. When you tell people to be afraid of one another for one calendar year, and then I don't know how they're going to roll this out, but immediately what they're just allowed to be in public together, restaurants are open, people can go out in public. You hope that the instinct is towards joy and compassion. Right. More often than not, it isn't. Right. People, right. people lead with fear. And that is why it's so problematic that people have access to guns because they're more afraid of each other now than ever. Exactly. Exactly. And there's been more division than ever. And also just, again, I think the mental health component of both the pandemic and even with gun reform, it, like it makes me angry when it's like, no, we need, we don't need gun reform. We need mental health reform. It's like, no, we need both. Yeah, you know, yeah. We need absolutely, yeah. gun reform, and we need better access for people who are in crisis, for social, you know, to have access to social services. I think sometimes in this country, and again, because I am in a privileged position, you know, it's I can access mental health help when I'm struggling. You know, I can reach mental health help if somebody in my life is is struggling, but you know, if you're, again, which really imparts to a lot of even artists we know, I mean, I know so many musicians who have leaned on, say, Music Cares over the years, and how pivotal Music Cares has been in order to get struggling musicians the help and care that they need, especially when they're in a mental health crisis, but just how sad that is in, in today's world that, again, I just know so many people who are coming out of this pandemic with exactly a lot of fear but a, a lot of um yeah mental health issues and i would just love to see you know the conversation about mental health to be free from stigma free from shame free Absolutely. from anything it's just it is i mean i struggle sometimes i struggle with he, he wouldn't guess that i would struggle from anxiety but i do you know i've been having <laughs> panic attacks since i was 17 it's people always assume it's what i've learned more than anything is the people that you assume need the least help often need the most help because everyone who seems like they've got it together and they're juggling everything and managing it well are usually crumbling a little bit on the inside exactly and it's just to give this this license for us all to start talking you know and talking about and helping one another Right, exactly. And and be, exactly. Communities. I think, again, that was the hardest part of this pandemic for me was to not have my sort of my community, you know, because I really lean heavily on on my community of people in my life. And but that's the thing coming out of this that I'm going to embrace even more is that community mindset, you know, and sort of the giving back mindset, because we've 
all been through so much. It is the time. It is the time to 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 give back. It is the time for us all to be grateful for the for the little blessings and the big blessings we have in our lives. I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious in your life, you know, again, um, just what are the what are, what is what is the silver lining for you right now? I think having um, been able to spend this time introspectively and and sort of be quiet, you know, we are all in motion so constantly um, to be able to learn new skills has been massive for me, um, which like I can't say I would have ever done, you know, Um, obviously to be able to sit and read or to be able to sit and cook and do the quiet things and have this meditative time has been beautiful. But, um, but also, you know what, and I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to hear what your experience was releasing your EP during COVID, but, um, but releasing music as challenging as it is right now without the massive machine yeah. has been interesting watching people find it in their homes. You know, yeah. people are, experiencing it in a more personal way, as opposed to, I mean, we, we all love to tour and we love to play. And I mean, it's like probably my most favorite part of the process, but, um, but to, to go, okay, well, I'm just going to let this body of work speak for itself and see what happens. Right. I mean, I released a book in the pandemic and an EP, and it was definitely not the ideal circumstances, but they became the circumstances. And you just had to have a level, at least for me, of acceptance. This is what it is. I'm going to make the most of it for what it is. I'm going to delve into my multiple Zoom chats that we've all been doing that have now become a reality and also another great way to connect with people and share your your truth or your insights in some way. And I don't know, It would, like I said, it wasn't the way I imagined, but it was a humbling life lesson that, you know, I think sometimes in life we all set ourselves up that we have a crystal ball and that we can somehow predict how life is going to go. And just the nature of being here is unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen in life. You never know what may unfold tomorrow, the day after. So in a way it was a, it was a great exercise in that releasing music during a pandemic, you know, I enjoyed recording. I've been recording music a fair amount. Um, I don't know. I, I fell in love with music again during yeah. during this time. You know, I started doing my little radio redhead stuff on Instagram, which I was thinking I need to get back. So into. Great. And, and it was just fun. It was just like, this is what I did when I was a teenager. I'd sit and try and learn how to play a song pretty badly. And <laughs> it was the simple joy of doing that. And and it really reminded me of why I love music and yeah. why it brings me the, the joy that it does. I'm just a music fan. That's how I approach music. I'm just a big old music fan at the end of the day. And I just kind of w- daydream that I, that I could even hold space with these people. And it, it's just, you know, it, it, it is such an epic sort of love affair I've always had with music. So that in a way, you're right. It took the pressure off. It took the pressure of having to kind of go out there and tour it and impress people. It was like, well, it's live and direct from this office is yeah. how do it (laughs) but having that practice has been amazing and then additionally I think a lot of us have learned um how little we need to be happy right I have definitely learned that it's definitely very humbling in that sense yeah good friends a roof over my head my children happy good music but Chase I'm forever impressed with you and like I said I miss you so much and thank you for for talking about all things all things inspiring today Yeah, thank you. All right, darling. See you soon.
space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. <laughs> 